Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour for 2016. It's a new year, and I'm here today with Anna to discuss stuff we've been up to in the past few weeks in our absence. We're also going to create genre starter packs, and we're going to discuss the second volume of The Wicked and the Divine. Hello, Anna. Welcome back to Fangirl Happy Hour. Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fine. Happy podcastversary. Yeah, right? It's that right? time. It's been a year. One year of us doing this. So how are you feeling about it? Pretty great. I don't know. It's been really entertaining and educational. And I've learned a whole lot from some of our listeners who have taught me some really great things. I owe a lot of them emails. I'm sorry, guys. I'll get back to you elsewhere. <laughs> Do you feel like been... do you feel like we've done a pretty pretty good job? Pretty good thing here? Create a cool club? I think so. Definitely. It has been a revelation for me as well. You know that I had misgivings before starting this because I didn't think I would be a good co host or that I had anything valuable to add to a podcast. I guess I was wrong. No, no, let me rephrase that. I was wrong. Period. And this has been extremely pleasurable, a lot of work, a lot of more work for you than for me, because you are also our producer and editor. You're already doing too much work. Well, let's not go there. Let's continue to talk about our amazing podcast. <laughs> yes. No, we can go there. Great. We can derail because you posted <laughs> a huge list of stuff that you accomplished last year as part of the end of Smugglebus. It's amazing. You did so much work. When I look at what you do and like, what do I do here? I'm like, nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> nope. <laughs> She's doing more work than me. I just sit on my butt. And It's not a competition, Renee. Remember that. It's not a competition. I mean, everything's a competition. <laughs> yes, we did a lot of work. Tomorrow, it's going to be eight years of book smugglers. And we usually do a retrospective every year. And for 2015, we did so much, so much. We published eight, nine, ten short stories, novelettes. We published the anthology. We commissioned a lot more work. We did two open calls, superheroes, and we still have the novellas call. We won an award. Thea was keynote moderator at, at the BA Bloggers Conference. She was also the main speaker at the Book Machine's fifth anniversary conference. I was invited to go to a literary festival. What else? I'm sure there was more. We, we somehow together reviewed 180 books. It was amazing. It was an amazing year. And we do all of that on our own. On top of our full-time jobs. Congratulations, you are a superhero. I've made it, guys. I am a superhero. Yes. Right, can I can I just say then that um, we are here today and we have a guest. And our guest is very, very special. Let me introduce it. Oh, no. I can't believe. Did you go buy one of those? <laughs> did 
Did you go buy one of those toys? Did you really? I just no. It's just a plush one that had one of the supermarkets, and then you press the thing in the center, and it, okay, it I was gonna eyes. be like Charles has been no taunting me not... with the little one that runs around your house, and I want no. it so bad. But I want that so bad. Where no, the hell this... am I gonna get one hundred and fifty dollars to buy a toy? I know. I know. I'm no longer five. It <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. I'm so jealous. I need a BBA toy. But it's just like, it was like 10 pounds at the supermarket and it's plush and it's just next to my microphone. So he'll, it will always be here for us. We have a new mascot. It's BB-8. We, yes. Our mascot. Thank you. Happy hour. Welcome, BB-8. So maybe we should talk about Star Wars very briefly. Oh God, Anna. We'll be here for three hours. Okay. Here's <laughs> what we'll, what we'll do. Did you like Star Wars? I loved Star Wars. Did you like Star Wars? I also loved Star Wars. It was great. And that's all we're going to say until our episode. No. Yes. You have Why to must you talk me so much? So what else have you been up to, Renee? I took the end of December off mostly. I was doing a lot of reading. I jammed like 21 volumes of One Piece into my face. <laughs> Is that to meet your... Um, yes, that was basically to meet my reading goal, and I. <laughs> but I kept going. That's the problem with One Piece. I kept going after I met my goal, and so I ended up with this like emotional hangover because you just don't don't do that with One Piece guys. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, I was like, I was on my couch at ten o'clock at night, cry like like full on snot crying oh, with no. because of this manga. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is like Oda, you asshole. You're so brilliant. <laughs> so how many volumes have you read in total so far? I'm on volume forty six right now. And it's like seventy eight? Seventy Oh, uh, who knows at this point. I give up. <laughs> it's never gonna end. They're only we're only just halfway through this manga. Who knows? Who knows? You should keep reading. I need you to also be I sad know, I am I am literally sitting here staring at the three volumes that I have here. Reading challenge. Well, let's see. Uh, I posted, me and Jody posted the short fiction survey for short fiction that people have read and loved that was published between October 1st and December 31st of 2015. That's We just make a big collection of stuff that people liked during different quarters because most of the time with short fiction, you get this thing where... It doesn't really come up what's well-loved and what people liked until Hugo season, award season, rolls around. And we wanted to sort of do a project that helped us like sort through and see what was big throughout the year instead of just at the end of the year. Because we feel like that limits our perspective a lot. And it's been a really yeah. cool thing. The survey has done really, really well. So it's live right now. It'll be live until January 31st. I also, last week, wrote a blog post for Smuggleless. The, oh, yes. The October Day Primer, which I didn't really talk about the series very much, but I did talk about why I loved it a whole bunch. I don't think I need to go into another, like, October Day Love Fest on the podcast. I think I've done that already. But if you are interested in, like, some longer thoughts about October Day series and what you might get out of it, you can check out my post on thebooksmugglers.com. I'm really proud of it, actually. I worked real hard. I, re I, I really liked that post, and I agreed with everything as well. You so. agreed with everything. Okay, good. I agree with everything. Even though yes. you have uh, up, to the, up to the point where I've read, of course. Yes. So you don't even know. You don't even know. God. I don't even know. <laughs> I have so many feelings. So yeah. So that's. I mean, that's what I've been like up to, like the like work-wise. Right. I was in Brazil for the past 
11 days. I went there with my partner. We don't usually travel to Brazil together because he's from a different state than I am. So it's not used going together because usually he goes and see his parents and I go and see my parents. Uh, but this time we went together and then his parents traveled to Rio. And then we all went to my mother's house for a few days. And that was weird because that was the first time that the two families kind of like cohabited. Uh, there was some friction there, uh -oh. especially especially when my mom went to Russell's mom. And mind you, my partner is a single child. And she says to my mother-in-law, oh, what you need is a grandchild. And I was like, mom, she's not going to have one because I am not going to have one. Anyway, You're not doing it. You're not doing it. That was awkward. 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 You said cat. Cats are great. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, not that kind of responsibility for me. No. Thank you very much. I did spend a lot of time with my niece, my three-year-old niece, who is the most adorable child and most clever child in the whole universe, obviously. And that was so nice. I also heard Let It Go from Frozen about one billion times. I know how to sing it in Portuguese. And I think I know most of the choreography by now, too. It's going to be in your head forever. Okay, you will. It's so catchy, that tune. And she loves it. She's completely obsessed with Frozen. It's amazing to me because Frozen is everywhere. See, it's been three years, right, since that movie came out? More or less? Yes, it's three years. Never underestimate the Disney marketing machine, ever. It's amazing. Do you know how many, like, she has so many Frozen dolls that she actually calls them the little Anna, the big Anna, the medium Anna, the other Anna. Because she has so many Anna dolls. And she loves them to bits, still. Still she loves them. So, and it's great. And I try to make her watch other Disney movies, but she's really not into them. Actually, she is into Anna. There is one that she prefers to Frozen. It's Snow White. <laughs> Can you believe? I can't believe that. That movie is so old school. Who knows? I don't know. When a kid, I was into repetition. Like, I really liked repetition as a kid. I remember. I would watch things over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. There's just something yeah. about being a kid that does that. I'm really yeah. glad I liked good things because I like my nostalgia. If I go back to them, I'm like, this isn't too bad. Yeah. Well, a apart from the last unicorn. Listen, that wasn't that bad. It was okay. Uh, how about through the eyes? Uh, listen, that was not when I was a kid. I was a teenager. <laughs> Teenagers can have bad taste. You have an answer for everything. I know. I'm so magical. Anyway, so I came back from Brazil. I did not have time to do to read anything there watch any television, watch in nothing apart from Frozen. Do not do any work, which was really great. And I feel quite refreshed right now. I even engaged a troll yesterday on my on the blog. Don't engage and trolls. What are you doing? I did. I did this guy came to because we posted the airing of grievances, which is the most magical time of the year for me because I, I just let it go. Let it go. I posted the area of grievances, which is when I go and I get everything that made me really mad during the year. And I just go through everything, add gifts to it and scream. And then this guy 
came and he says, well, you continue to bully other people for having different opinions to yours. That's working really well for you. And I'm like, okay. So I just, I replied to him, squint. I think you were new here. Welcome. But don't overstay your welcome. Oh my God, Anna. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be my thing for 2016. I was right in the area of grievances and it was really nice to let it go, let it go. I'm just giving everybody earworms now. You're welcome. I was writing that thing and I was feeling the anger, but at the same time was like, do you know, I'm really fed up with this. I think I'm going to try to be more not engagey next year or this year rather so that I don't get too stressed. I can't get stressed anymore because I got super stressed last year for various reasons, including diseases and work-related issues, and I got an autoimmune disease out of it. So I cannot do that to myself anymore. So I'm going to try to be more laid back this year. That sounds like my goal. Yes. My uh, my 2016. I heard that that you had had a goal like that. Go on. My 2016. No fucks given 2016. I love that. No fucks given. I'm out of... Completely out of fucks. I have no more to give. I've given them all. <laughs> They've all been spent on my anxiety for the last 10 years. I treated anxiety at that. So I'm just kind of like, eh. Because that ties into my goal about like health. Like, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, I was trying to juggle all my tasks. I couldn't figure out why I didn't have time for like eating or sleeping. So I got one of those schedules. The 168 hour, because that's how many hours were in a week schedules. So I like put everything on it and I didn't have any time for sleeping or eating or showering or like spending time with my partner or my family or my friends. And I'm like, what's going on here? So I like took everything off of it again and I redid it and I put all the like self-care stuff first. So like sleep and food and walking, taking a shower, (laughs) playing with my cats. Like I put all that stuff on there first and I was like, okay, so this is the remaining, remaining time I have so I can fill this time however I want. And it's been kind of like shock. Like I've just like I I get like I get things done now, even though I'm not getting as much as I want to get done done and how much I think I should get done done. I'm getting actual things finished and they're on time and I'm not late and I'm not feeling rushed. I guess I just let my life pile up in a way that didn't let me breathe. And now I've just sort of brushed it all aside and I started over from scratch. <laughs> If you have a busy schedule, I totally recommend you print one of these grids off and fill it up and see where your time's going. That's really interesting. I'm glad to hear it. And yep. it's also very interesting. It's very- Maybe I should do the same thing because you, you were saying it and I was like, I would totally put work before it's sleeping there. Right. And that's <laughs> not good because then I don't focus. I can't concentrate. I don't no, remember things. It's true. It's very true. I've been tracking my sleep via my Fitbit for a couple months now, and I was like looking back over the, like the, like the end of the year, and it was because it gives you weekly averages, and it's like weekly average four hours, weekly average five hours, and I'm like, if I'm that's only averaging five hours of sleep a night, that's bad news. <laughs> so now I'm like, I have a bedtime. I didn't think back when I was a kid like bedtimes were important, but now I'm like, bedtimes are super important. <laughs> Everybody should have a bedtime. And do you find it easy to fall asleep at the time that you want to fall asleep? No, I drug myself to gills. I'd like take nine milligrams of melatonin now and I use relaxed mood melody things. 
Oh, wow. I do like this, this breathing, this four, seven, eight breathing technique. And I just, and I get to sleep and like, it's like brute forcing myself to sleep. Eventually my therapist says that I'll get used to like the habit of sleeping at the time and getting up when I do. But right now it's just more like you're going to bed Renee. You have no choice. I also quit my co-chair in the Organization for Transformative Works. You did. I was the co-chair of okay. the Volunteers and Recruiting Committee with another nice gentleman who I will miss working with that closely. He is great. But we had a meeting with the board and the meeting went great. The meeting with the board was fine. It was really wonderful. But the whole time I was like tense and anxious and worried like what happens if we have a disagreement and we have a fight and then I guess I just got all like it was a fine the meeting was fine nothing bad happened it was wonderful but like after it was over I was like I can't be this anxious all the time for another however many years and so I was just like I went I'm like okay well I'm not getting any work done on the committee because I'm so anxious all the time and I'm sad I have like I'm always worried about the next fire and the committee deserves somebody who can actually work so I'm just like it's time for me to leave and I resign my co-chair. And how do you feel about it? Really fucking relieved. Yeah! I was like, oh, God. I Great. The thing about the co-chair on committees and the or- organization is that they become... It's not just the work. It's not just the tasks. It's also, like, emotional labor. You have to do a lot of it sometimes, especially on committees that deal with interpersonal issues. I just went and burned myself right down to the ground and like on that position. I'm really glad to be finished with that for a little. I can go back to being regular staff, which I've never really been. I'm really excited. Oh, good. Good. I'm happy. I'm happy about that. Cool. Now I can do actual staff work. I'm sure my, I'm sure my committee is really excited. Yay for me. Yay for you. For me then, uh, also in the next, in the last few weeks, what happened was we posted our top 10 books of 2015, Thay and I. And that was really hard because last year was amazing. I had eight, ten rated books and that's unheard of. And so coming up with my top ten was re- super hard because those last two spots were like, what am I going to put here? Because there are so many other amazing books. Then our superheroes call has ended and I now have to read all the entries by the end of January. I'm really looking forward to that. I've already started. I've already been reading them since the beginning. But with those calls, what I learned is the vast majority of entries come in the last week of the call. Of course. Everybody waits until yes, the very last minute. On the very last minute. And then it's really cool, like on the last very last day to keep refreshing the email because they keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And it's like, yes, yeah, stories. So I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm gonna be doing that throughout January. And we still have the novellas call open and that's theme free. We don't have a theme for the novellas, we're just looking for a interesting things to publish in 2017 other than that we are going to be launching a new anthology it's the collection it's the anthology that collects all our first contact Mm -hmm. stories so that's a new thing coming out from us at the beginning of 2016 already we hit the floor running because that's the the way we do it i have tons of plans for 2016 are we going to talk about plans I have. Do you have plans? I have plans. What plans do you have? 
Well, last year I read 107 books. Well done. Yeah, what right? Was, your, your goal was 100. Uh-huh, so I read 107. Yes. I mean, one piece, hello. But yeah. still, that's a lot of reading. And But when I was looking at my like racial parody, I was like, wow, this is really fucking bad and embarrassing. It's like, really not good. I'm like, I didn't post numbers. Like, I legit didn't even post numbers because I was so upset about it. And I think that was because I did a lot of, like, backlist reading with white women. And so I was like, well, how can I address this problem? I don't really like exclusive reading challenges. Only read women for like six months or don't read men for a year or whatever else. I mean, I think those are useful, especially for people who are just now getting into diversifying their reading and expanding their perspective. I'm already aware of these issues and I'm already thinking about them pretty constantly. So for me, it just kind of makes me feel trapped. So I was like, Mm -hmm. well, how can I do a reading challenge that maximizes the number of women, especially like women of color that I read without like trapping me so I can't like read the next James S. I. Corey book that's coming out in June. I just came up with this challenge to read 100 unique women with a focus on black women specifically. And I made okay. like a cute jar and I put a bunch of the people that have been on my reading list for ages because like I, I have access to the books by women of color. I just have to read them. So I'm just doing a thing where like every week I pull like a little slip of paper out of the out of the jar and I specifically read that book and well lot, I, th- you know. I think you should post a picture of that jar it, there's a picture of the jar on my I blog wa- I want to see a picture of that I haven't seen it oh, maybe haven't? because no. it was in Brazil no I haven't no. seen it yeah I posted I posted my roundup last week which I, where I talked about my issues and I posted another follow up part as part of my let's get, let's get literate column where I talked uh, about okay. the challenge Be- itself. Because I, I saw the top, the, the list of what you read, but I didn't see... So it's you, there there's was a two. follow-up to that? Yeah, okay. there's two. Right. It's like, I just sort of split them apart because the, the media roundup got really long. So I split them into pieces. Okay. So, so I talk, I... Yeah, it talks about the challenge more generally. Okay. Uh, I have some people that are taking part with me. So I've already suckered some people into it. <laughs> Congratulations to them. Don't be my friend. I will make you read stuff and make you do reading challenges and enjoy a podcast and start podcasts so yes yes i'm not safe is what the lesson you should take away from this podcast is exactly this podcast is brought to you by renee is terrifying (laughs) renee is terrifying never be her friend this time of the year is so strange and feels so weird because it's like resolutions and new start but it never feels like a new start to me really because it's just sort of carrying over from, like, I don't ever think of, like, December as an end and January as a beginning. I'm really bad at that. I've never really, I mean, I see why we do it, but I've never really been able to, like, parse it that way. It just all feels like the same thing. It doesn't feel yeah. different. Uh, and I, maybe it's because my birthday is, like, on the January 2nd, and I just get distracted because I have a birthday. I love birthdays because I get lots of books. Did you get lots of books? I got so many books. Oh, and I got so many books. They're so great. Oh, good. One second. I got a bu- I, I got a whole big stack of books. Susan sent me some porn, some manga called Flutter. <laughs> some dudes making out and having some sex. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> My friend Matt bought me a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck by Sarah Knight. Wow. I love that. It's a parody of um, the, the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo, I think. But it's so far, it's pretty pretty great. Susan also sent me The Invisible Library by Genevieve Cogman. She also sent me Skip Beat, the first three volumes of Skip Beat. 
Zach bought me Star Wars Before the Awakening by Greg Rucka. I heard about that one. I saw someone reviewing that book and it sounded really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really interesting. I'm excited about it. I'm going to, like, yeah. I've never cared about Tide novels. Suddenly I care. I am so proud of you right now. I cannot believe. Like, you talked about roping people into things, but can we talk about how I roped you into Star Wars? Yeah, we can. You did a good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Susan also got me Glorious Angels by Justino Robson. Oh my god! I really wanted to read that book. I completely missed out on reading that last year. And I think it was on the Strange Horizons roundup or best of the year post that they did, that they do every year. And one of their reviewers picked that one. And I was like, oh my god, I completely forgot about that book. I, I didn't see a lot of people reading that. It's and because it didn't come out in the US. Well, but I didn't see any UK bloggers talking about it either. Well, that's and because the UK is disgustingly sexist and doesn't really read books about women. <laughs> Oh, burn! I mean, I mean, yes. Obviously, there are people who do, but like, yeah. what the the vibe I get from the UK SF scene is that it's very dude focused. So if yeah, you're a lady, true. good fucking luck. That's true. You know that there is a huge problem here of of even publishing women and displaying women and reviewing women. Maybe we should add that book to our podcast roster. We probably should, yeah. Because if you have it, uh. I have, I have copy, it. So we can I have a copy. It. You have a copy. Let's do this, baby. So and Justina Robson's actually really well regarded. Yeah, no, I've heard I've heard really good things about her. That's why yeah. I, I, that's why I added the book to my list. It was just I was just like super discouraged when it was only a UK release and Susan got it for me via book depository. So thank you, Susan. Okay. Who? Zach also got me a book called Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. Uh... Is that the book that inspired the play? Yes, it is. Oh and while God. while we were checking out, the lady was like, this book's been doing really well. I wonder why. Uh, and I'm like, that's because there's a musical called Hamilton. Have you not heard of this musical? She's like, no. I'm like, go listen to this musical immediately. <laughs> what are you waiting? Why are you still here? Why are you checking me out? Leave right now. Go home and listen to this musical. So yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what I got for my birthday. Funny. Oh, I also got another nice gift for my birthday. What did you get? Uh, it was a book by Kate Elliott called The Beatrice. Oh! That, was, that must have been super loud, that squeal that I just did. I'm sorry, listeners. Subject you all to it. But I've got, I've got really excited. So what do you think of it? I haven't Don't read it say. yet. Okay. But I, I do have it now. I'm going to put oh, it with cool. my other, other book to read. I'm really excited. It's a poem, so I'm going to have to be like, okay, Renee, let's sit. And focus. Yeah. So I got my copy this week as well. It was so pretty. It's so nice. I love the paper. Being a nerd, I love the paper that we used for this book. You're a publisher, so of course you do. <laughs> you published it, so of course. I published it. So yeah, that's all that's been really up with me so far. It's only We're only a few days into the year, so who knows what might happen in the next few weeks. I do have three major resolutions for this year. One of them is to try and work less, spend more time with my partner over weekends because both of us fell into this trap of having to work on weekends on top of working from like six to 10 almost every day. 
And then usually what happens is that he wakes up really early on Saturdays. He goes off to Starbucks to work until about three. And then I stay home and I do the same here. Because if we stay together in the house, we don't do any work. That happens very often. So we decided that this year, every Saturday, we are not going to work. We're going to take the day off. And we are going to go for a walk on the countryside for exercising, to spend time with each other, and to enjoy nature because we love England's nature so much. So that is one of my major resolutions. The other one is that I want to do a time travel project. I realized during the recording of this podcast this year that I do really like time travel stories. Oh, and, right. I, and I thought to myself, why don't I read all the time travel books available? So I am going to make a major list of all time travel stories available. And I'm going to start reading all of them until the day I die. <laughs> it starts this year. It's going to happen. This is why I'm excited about your time travel project. Because it means that I can add the navigator, the flight of the navigator, to our vault list and make you watch it. Okay, let's because do that. it's got time travel in it. Okay. I was so excited when you were like, yes, I can finally wait to see, make her watch this movie that I loved. I'm let's so do it. Let's do it. And then I am going to also be reading a lot more middle grade novels this year. When I was doing my stats for the end of the year post, I realized that I didn't read a lot of middle grade. And I love children's literature. So I'm going to make an effort to read more this year. I'm going to help with that too because I'm going to put Larklot on our vault list. Oh, yes. It's already there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's there, but we're going to actually do it. So I'm going to... Wow. Does... And I'm really helping you out. Yes. Thank you, Renee. Does it have time travel? No. No. Right. I'm really looking forward to reading that book. It's actually. a whole series, too. So if you like the first book, you have two more. And I think that's it for me. It's apparently a brand back... new year. We can start anew. Anew. Yes. Let's do that. Now we're going to talk about genre starter packs collections of media that we think are a good place for somebody interested in a certain subgenre to start if they want to get into that specific media. Anna, I chose space adventures for my topic. What did you choose? I chose YA fantasy, which is something that is very close to my heart, as you know. Yes. What is the thing that got you into YA fantasy? What was the media that launched you into the sphere if you don't, if we don't think about all of those children's books that we grew up reading, or all of those movies that we grew up watching, if you think about YA as a recent thing, my introduction to it as a as a category of books as they are perceived now, my introduction was Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. Wow, I did not yep. see that coming. I knew. You wouldn't. It was right at the beginning of the blog. Thea was already reading a lot of YA. That was eight years ago. YA was experienced that initial boom that came out of Twilight. And Thea read the Twilight, the, the, the first three books before the blog even started. And she really loved them. And she told me one day, you have to read Twilight, Anna. And I said to her, okay, fine, I'm going to try to read this. At, the, at that point in time, remember, I was really into romance. So I read Twilight and I devoured that book. I actually, I will confess, that is the one book in the past eight years that made me late for work. 
because I wouldn't stop reading. And I said, you know what? I am just going to go and I'm going to call my boss and I'm going to say that I'm stuck in traffic because I'm going to stay here in this house until I finish this fucking book. Oh, my God. I know. I never read any other book because at the end of the first book, I got so angry about how things ended. Because do you know how I was reading that book as a cautionary tale? But it ended up not being. It was an actual romance. I thought it was going to end with her, like, breaking up with Edward and going off to college. <laughs> That's not how it worked. It's actually a really good book for certain things. If you want to read about how a teenager feels when she's falling in love for the first time, that's probably pretty accurate. When I fell in love for the first time, I used to vomit. Oh my god, this just got... <laughs> Fangirl Happy Hour, sponsored by Anna's Digestive System. I was talking to my sister about this, and she was like, do you remember when you had your first boyfriend and you used to vomit around the house because you were so worried about kissing him and and hooking up and i said yes i remember that it was awful it was absolutely awful but also very thrilling and that's reading twilight that's what happens to bella in twilight and of course the whole thing with this stalkerish edward cullen it's awful it's terrible and it's supported by the narrative that thing that's the problem with twilight for me but as uh a young woman experiencing love, falling in love and feeling, you know, in lust with a very beautiful man, that book is spot on. And that was my entry point to YA fantasy. And after that, I started reading more and better books. And those more and better books are the ones that are part of my starter pack. So how about you? What is your entry point to your starter pack? Well, unlike you, I went all the way back to childhood. The number one was Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer, which is a very, very unscientific movie, (laughs) obviously, about Rainbow Bright having to stop a princess from stealing a planet made of diamonds that reflects light and creates seasons on Earth. I know. I know, guys. I know. (laughs) But there is space adventures and there's like a robot horse and it's really a super cute for kids whatever it's a kids movie i I watched it over and over i love that stupid movie so much and that's where it started so i know i know i can trace it back after that i sort of drifted like i drifted away like i would rewatch that but i didn't really have access to a bunch of like it's the 80s and the early 90s i just didn't have a lot of access and then i played final fantasy Specifically, Final Fantasy 7 and 8. They're not set in space at all. Final Fantasy 8 sort of has, like, a part of it that's related to space. But, like, it kind of expanded the way I thought about, like, stories, like, self-contained. I'm like, wow, stories on a planet can be affected by stuff happening off that planet. And that's sort of where it comes from. I'm pretty sure that's where my love of space adventure comes from watching stories that don't didn't necessarily have anything to do with like living and working and having adventures in space but just having the wider perspective this world is one of many many worlds like i think back and if my parents had been more responsible i could have been a scientist i'm really better like they could have put me in math classes and science classes and i could have become an astronomer or an astronaut oh god no i don't want to go into space are you kidding you die I want other people to go into space and me to, for me to read about them. That's what I want. Let's be clear. 
you don't actually gonna go in space. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. We're, like, let's read our list, and then we can talk about, like, why we put some of this stuff on them, and what they mean to us, like, in a larger context. So you go first okay. with your starter pack for YA fantasy. Okay. The first one is not a surprise for you, anybody. It's the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whelan Turner. The second one is the Demon's Lexicon series by Sarah Rhys Brennan. The third one is Bleeding Violet by Dia Reeves. The fourth is Ash by Melinda Lowe. And then you have the Metamorphosis series by Sarah McCary, star- starting with All Our Pretty Songs. A very recent one that I read last year, A History of Glitter and Blood by Hannah Moskowitz. And then Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. And then I have one comic, Miss Marvel. We have one movie, Ever After. And Avatar, The Last Airbender. So this is my list. My starter pack for YA fantasy. I think there's a little bit of everything there. You have a little bit of epic fantasy. You have urban fantasy. You have a lot of LGBT stories. uh, A lot of books by people of color, which is important to me to recommend those as well. And then you have fairy tale retellings. There is no nothing more, more fantasy than this. You have mythology retellings with the Sarah McCary books. They are retellings of Greek myths. You have Avatar The Last Airbender that creates a whole new mythology around existing stories from all over the world. And you have a superhero with Miss Marvel and House Moving Castle, which by Diana Wynne-Jones, her books are such comfort reads for me. And you also have on this list very dark things like A History of Glitter and Blood and Bleeding Violet are super dark, very different, very outside what you would expect from YA fantasy. But those books, they feel very out there. So what do you think of my list, Renee? I've read Ash by Melinda Lowe. I've also seen... Avatar. No, uh, uh, oh, did I like it? I don't. It's a complicated question. One second. Okay. I've read *House Moving Castle*, and I've seen the *House Moving Castle* movie as well, which is really—it's not oh, the yes. same as the book at all, but it's really no, cute. But I also recommend that one actually. And *Ever After*, which you recommended, because I came. I. It's very hard for me to recommend movies for some reason i'm i'm much more book related right so i texted renee today and i was like i cannot think of a movie of a ya fantasy movie there are so many but i cannot think of any and she says ever after and i said yes because that movie is so awesome i think along with ash they are ash and ever after are my two cinderella retellings of choice i think here's my question you have a lot of like retellings which is okay. really interesting to me because when I think of YA fantasy, I don't think of retellings at all. I think I think of retellings as like as a. I think I think of on themselves. Yeah, like I don't even like I just don't even think of it as a being like specifically related to fantasy. I guess obviously fairy tales are fantasy, but I don't think of them in the same way. So that's really interesting that you put them all in like the YA fantasy. Oh, category. it's it's so natural for me to do that. I don't even think about it. This is what I, this is why this is fascinating because starter packs, depending on your perspective, are are totally different. Like if you would be, if somebody came up to you and said, "Okay, where do I start with YA fantasy?" You would give them the starter pack, but it would have like a really specific like fantasy slash retelling focus, and it's just really 
need to see like what ha- would happen if you made that list without it having fairies on it, which uh, you wouldn't do because that's not how you think about fairy stories. But like if I was making a Y fantasy starter pack, which I couldn't because I'm really bad at Y fantasy, I would not have any sort of retellings or fairy stories on it at all. I only have one fairy tale in here. It's Ash by Melinda Lowe and Ever, Ever After, I guess. Yeah. And that's it. And then you have the Sarah McCary books. They are... They are retelling, yes. That's, that's... Well, they are Greek mythology, that's but... A, that's... Yeah. Well... Yeah. Nice uh, try. Three out of seven. It's not that many. So, yeah, I just think it's really funny. Like, that when I came up with this idea to do this, I knew that we interesting things would come out. And that's a really interesting thing to discover about yourself okay. is that for you, why fantasy and, like, fairy tale slash retellings are, like completely linked with each other oh yes absolutely whereas for me no not at all like i wouldn't even like i would not create anything like that for fantasy at all one thing that there are a couple of books that i wanted to include here and i and i thought about them one is scorpio races by maggie sivater that book is amazing so if you want replace one of the fairy tales you could with scorpio races and another series that I th- I thought about including I not but I have not read them myself but I know a lot of people when when they think about YA fantasy they would inevitably think about those and it's the Graceling Fire series by Kristen Kashore. Yeah, exactly. The fr- Graceling would have been on my list if I had made yeah. your list. It would have been on there like number 1. But I I haven't read that book, you see. Like you're fired. That was a Thea book for the blog. So when that book came out, it was hers to read. And I and I never went came around to reading it. So so I missed that train. I missed the Kristen Kashore train. And I thought about Harry Potter as well, because it's so obvious. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put the beginning of the Harry Potter series in YA. I would put it in middle because, grade. Because yeah, because exactly. That's what I thought. And I would leave, but- and I would actually leave the whole series in middle grade, really, because that's where it starts, and I don't see a problem with having kids read up to the last Indeed. book if they can. No. And if they're not ready for it, they'll quit themselves. Kids are good at like self-centering. So, yeah, I would just, like, that's a, definitely a middle grade. Harry Potter, for me, has always been middle grade, never YA. Okay, so when I do my middle grade fantasy starter pack, <laughs> that will be there. <laughs> Spoilers! <laughs> So mine is Space Adventures, and I have 10 things. I actually have more uh, visual media than you do. Number one is Firefly, which is your Joss Whedon TV show slash space western. Number two, Stargate. There are actually three flavors of Stargate here. This is really cheating because you have, like, <laughs> you have regular Stargate, like the movie, which is which is good if you just want, like, a an action movie. Then you have Stargate SG-1, which is your forever Stargate if you want to watch a TV show for 10 seasons. There is Stargate Atlantis if you are into space vampires. Stargate Atlantis is for you, for space vampires. If you prefer your your media like super dark, there's Stargate Universe for your grimdark. There's a lot of different flavors of Stargate and you can choose whichever one you want. Stargate Atlantis is my favorite. Uh, the space vampires one who's surprised. Number three is the fifth element which I would kind of put in like the new weird category a little bit because the fifth element is a very strange luke besson film number four is event horizon space horror uh five is galaxy quest even if you haven't seen a lot of star trek uh galaxy quest still holds up as like a parody movie because it's so star trek is so in the culture now that you just pick it up and you can get the jokes 
and it's old enough now that also most of the time, like most of it is just cultural stuff that you've picked up as you've lived. Then six is Lost in Space, the movie version with William <laughs> Hurt. I love this movie. So if you like something super camp and goofy, Lost in Space is definitely uh, up your alley. And then we go to switch to books. And we have a newer book here, number seven, Ancillary Justice by Enlucky. I think this is a perfect example of space opera, like on a super grand scale. It deals with colonialism and humanity. Number eight is Fortune's Pawn by Rachel Bach, also newer. It's an adventure story in space. A super cool lady with power armor, and she just brute forces her way through the universe. It's super fun. And it's got alien mysteries and lots of different cultures. Number nine is Old Man's War by John Scalzi. The very first book in his Old Man's War series, which is now six books strong. I think it's a great example of like military science fiction. And then number 10 is the middle grade book on my list, Larklight by Philip Reeve. It is steampunk, definitely steampunk, set in Victorian England. Very, 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 very British. Very British. But it's super cute. Um, it's like a, like a fun little romp. It's got pirates and lots of mystery. And I think it's a perfect kind of space adventure for kids and also but it also appeals to adults in a really neat way and it's got great female characters and when i made this list i had to sit down and like really think about like what media was influential to me like what kept me coming back to the genre over and over again and a lot of that is going to be fandom and you can't like make people be interested in fandom and fanfic and fan art like that's a really something that people can only get into if they're into it but for me these are the things that dream me back over and over and over because they're like rewatchable or rereadable. They're fun and they can be thinky if you want them to be thinky, but they don't necessarily have to be. How many millions of words has been spilled over the gender stuff and ancillary justice? Like, think about that. Like, there's so much. If you read the book, it's not really the point. Like, it's just like a it's a space opera. And think about Firefly by Joss Whedon, which inspired like this huge fandom and then it got popular enough to get like a movie made the fifth element which became a huge cult success i think i missed it when it came out i saw it much like much later something about the aesthetic of that movie just i'm like yes like this is what i want for my science fiction i want a bright like a bright future a complicated future one that's not unhopeful or grim i think most of the things that can categorize my list are things that are like at their core hopeful happy how interesting, Renee. I don't think that's true to my list. Well, you chose fairies, I'm... but that's that was that's your first problem. Fairies are fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, says the person who just wrote a really long post about fairies recommending the October Day. I mean, series. it's a good series, but it's dark as hell. Most of the books I recommended they end well, but they kind of like really hard too. <laughs> maybe I don't do happy when did that happen maybe I'm you're in just into depressing literature right now what I think would be interesting would be do this, to do this project and then in a year or two years do it again with the same topic but it, you're, you're two books. years older and you have a new perspective and you've read more does it change does it say the same like that's what I would find really fascinating oh let's do that okay. that's a good that's that's a good project but I have a comment on your list okay Space Vampires. Yes. 
That's, what the hell? that's what I call the villains on Stargate Atlantis. Uh, they're on the show. They're called the Wraith. Basically, they have like they feed they feed on human life energy. So they like press their hands to, to your chest or something, and like suck out your life energy, and you become a, like a desiccated okay, husk. Sense. And so I call yeah. I mean, fandom called them. I didn't. I like. I didn't coin it. Like that came out of the fandom. I was really big into Stargate Atlantis fandom. It's a real like. It's a really good show. Obviously, it's got race like a lot of race problems, but. I really liked the female characters on the show, and I really liked the main ship that was really popular. But the first season is just really quality to me. I really like the movies that you picked. I love all of them. Galaxy Quest is, like, one of my favorite movies of all And Event Horizon, which you were like, yeah! Event Horizon was really good, yes. Oh, uh-huh, like, we're talking the, about all these in the podcast. The fifth, the fifth element. I'm going to put all of these in my vault. <laughs> Oh yes! Oh, let's do it! Yeah, I'll put them, put them all. Let's watch them all again. I would love to do that. So, why didn't you include Star Wars or Star Trek there? A few reasons. What I remember from Star Trek, I don't remember a lot of like space adventure. Like I know they went places, the different planets, but when I was a kid and watching Star Trek, it felt from like a show about philosophy and diplomacy to me as a kid than a space adventure show. So, I mean, I thought about it, but I also was kind of like, well, everybody knows Star Trek. I wouldn't necessarily put it like as a starter pack because most people are gonna, already going to have had it. And it's so integrated into our culture at this point. Like, whatever. It's so big that they're making blockbuster movies based on the TV show. Galaxy Quest is also on this list as a parody of Star Trek, even though Star Trek is on the list. Whereas, like, Firefly, I mean, it's a big cult thing, but I know, like, I know a lot of people who I talk to them about it, and they're like, what's Firefly? So there's a lot of people who don't, like, oh, know wow. about it. Like, we think that, oh, everybody knows about Fire. No, a lot of, like, made people who are, like, not into internet culture don't well, know about no. Firefly. They don't. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been canceled at the 13th episode. So, that's... If more people knew about it, we would still be having that show. I am bitter. You're bitter. I, am still I missed bitter it. Spending. I didn't. I came into Firefall actually through Serenity. I was watching the show in Brazil before moving here, and I watched a few episodes, and I really, I was really into it. But at that point in time, I wasn't. Okay, this this is going to sound stupid, but at that point in time, before moving to England, that was only twelve years ago. I didn't know that TV shows had actually actual arcs. And episodes one after the other because things in Brazil are just so out of order. You just watch things and they and you, and you think that that's how they are. I didn't know that episodes had titles until I moved here. I didn't know that that shows had seasons. But I sound like the person from the interior of Brazil. You're a time traveler. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Anyway, so I moved, so I watched a few episodes of Firefly, I really liked it, and then one day, I got invited for a mystery showing at the cinema. We wouldn't know what was being shown, so we sat down, and it was Serenity, and I was like, hold on, I recognize this, this is Firefly, and I thought it was excellent, and then I went back, and I rewatched the entire thing and then i realized oh my god i only did 13 episodes how do you get invited to random shit like this how was this not my life there's this thing here in the uk called film first and i subscribe to that and sometimes i get invited to to films i need to live in a city with culture so i get free tickets to go to the movie sometimes to see previews and i'm not even expected to write about it or anything i don't know I don't, I don't even know how I found out about that. That's magical. But yeah, that's why it's on my list. 
books, it was really actually hard for me to choose books because as I was making my list, I was realizing like, holy shit, this is really dude heavy. Because I added the um, John Scalzi Old Mentor book and the Philip Reeve Larklight first. And right. Then, and then I had written down Leviathan Wakes by James S. A. Corey. And I'm like, no, no, wait. If I put this on this list, it's going to be two, like, there's going to be four white dudes. What's going, what's happening? So I'm just realizing now, again, new realization that's old because I keep having it over and over and I never learned my lesson is that, like, as far as space adventure go, I don't have a lot in my toolbox by women. And it's just really sad and I need to fix it. So, new, new goal. Tay and I are going to be doing an old men, men's war rereading. So I thought you would be happy about it. I that. am happy. That does make me very happy. I like that series so, a whole lot. I hope so you guys there. read Zoe's Tale and love it as much as I do. Okay, listeners. So now we're interested in knowing what would be in a starter pack from you. Pick a topic and then make a starter pack and let us know about it. And maybe we'll feature it in, in the future segments. Now that we've provided you with yet more lists of things to read and watch, we are going to discuss Wicked and the Divine by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, a comic about gods who are pop stars and pop stars who are gods. Anna, you recommended this comic last year, and yes. we read the first volume, and I was really confused and wanted more answers. And then we read uh, the second volume, and, and now I want more, more answers. Confused. Yes. <laughs> I thought the first one was clearer. This second one was harder to follow, more confusing, added a lot more things to the mythos of this pantheon without actually adding depth. That's my main takeaway from the second volume. I didn't like it as much as I liked the first volume, apart from the ending, which was quite mind-blowing. I feel like they follow the path of let's raise a bunch of questions, but they don't give us like any answers at all. And it's still a beautiful comic. The art is still gorgeous. It's still stunning. I still think it's so pretty to look at. And I really like the characters. There was an introduction of a character in this volume that I really liked a whole lot. Actually, there was two of them, I think. And we get more of characters that were in the first volume, who I also liked a lot. But I agreed that, for me, that the story didn't gel as well as it did in the first one. It felt more disjointed and a little bit confusing. And I'm kind of wondering if that was on purpose. It could be, I guess. Because if they want to prolong the tension, that's that's what they need to do. Otherwise, it will just end, right? They, they, they want to keep writing the comic they need to keep the the suspense and the mystery going otherwise that would not be any point for me though the main difference between the first volume and the second is that it kind of like moved away from that YA feel that the first one had because you had so much from the perspective of Laura as a teenager wanting to experience the things that the gods were experiencing on this one on the second volume they went with more what the gods were doing, what they were, what how they were feeling. And even though they are technically teenagers as well, they have that tension between them being gods and being teenagers being played out, but not as teenagers. Does that make any sense to you? A little. Yeah, I see what you mean. It feels like they're young, but they're 
also old at the same time. The tone is very interesting. And there was more of the... Aneki? Is that how you say her name? Aneki, yeah, that's how I would say it, yes. More which, from her perspective this time, which I thought changed the dynamic a little bit. Yeah, it's possible because she's the only one that remains every time the same, and she's the only one that grows old, which is another thing that is part of the mystery. So why? Why is that person the only one that doesn't reincarnate, and the only one that grows old, and how does that affect her? Because how does that affect her is part of the ongoing mystery and, and goes together with how the story ends on this volume. If you're worried about spoilers, this is a time for you to go ahead and fast forward to the rec section because we're going to spoil this volume. If you're looking forward to reading it, definitely don't keep listening. No, no, because the ending's quite mind-blowing. It really is. I did not see that ending coming. And I think I should have because... The reason I read this comic was because on Twitter, when the second volume came out, their Twitter blew up. Everybody was like, holy yes, shit! Yes, I, I remember that because I followed at the same time. When that issue came out, I was like, holy shit! I can't believe they just did that. They killed off the main character. And that's like something you just really don't do in a comic. Like, you don't kill your main I mean, obviously, they're following George R.R. R. Martin's rules for... for. Or, I, I have, have you read further... Have you read after that? No, I I've no, I've stopped. I only I only read this in in a volume form, so I'm still like there may be other issues out, but I stopped here. This is as far yes. as I've gone. Because she's Persephone, and Persephone is the queen of the underworld, and she has kind of like of a half life in the underworld and a half life in overground in in the mythology. I wonder if there is a way out of not killing her. I wonder if she has half a spirit or whatever hidden somewhere because that's fucked up. <laughs> she and was the main character. She was the viewpoint character. How do you kill your viewpoint and character? And why? And all, that's like the biggest question for me. Why did they do it? I'm why? Just really... Because she's a 13th god. And supposedly there are only 12. Those That's that's one mystery there. And then second, mm-hmm. why? Especially because of the way that it was done because it was such a beautiful scene. For most of it, she kind of, like, lost hope that she wasn't one of the gods. And so did I. I didn't think that she was going to be one. And then Ananki shows up, and they have that entire conversation about singing. And all of a sudden, Laura is so amazing, and she's so beautiful. And then Ananki was like, oh my god, I have been waiting for you for such a long time, Persephone. And then she's a goddess, and then boom! And then she killed her parents. So they kind of misdirected you because they had Cassandra, who I, Cassandra became a god. Yeah, I know. I really like Cassandra and Laura's relationship in this comic. I was really yeah. sad we kind of didn't get more of it. It's a really valuable relationship because that's the that's the emotional relationship in the comic that I care about the most. I don't really haven't really connected with any of the gods per se. I care about no. Laura and I care yeah. about Cassandra, and that's kind of it. So I was really surprised that she became a god, and that's when I started to go, oh, okay, so Lara isn't. So whatever happened to her after Lucifer's death was just yeah. like a fluke. It was, or her just, you know, imagining it. Yes. And so so as soon as Cassandra became one of the Pantheon, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, well, how's Lara going to take this? And I really, like, I just really liked the relationship in this volume a whole lot. I just don't know what to do with that ending. <laughs> 
I'm sure the people who actually read the comic are like, you don't have a clue. Like, the very yeah. last page is like, it's, it was never going to be okay or something. I'm like, holy shit. Part of me thinks, because when she becomes Persephone, that was right after Inanna's death. Mm-hmm. So I wonder whether when one god dies, instead of giving life to the person who killed them, maybe the life moves over to someone else. And that's what happened. Well, would that have happened after Lucifer, though? I don't know. Now I'm lost. Because I don't... Like, I have, a, like, a really hard time keeping up. I wish I could give you, like, a legend. Here are the gods that are alive. I know. I like, know. So yeah. I could... Because I just don't know about enough about mythology to know. I'm just really mythology dumb. I'm. This is definitely a comic that's going to appeal to, like, classic Oh, no, but there are, there are really obscure gods there. I didn't know anything about Baphomet, for example, or the Morrigan, which is, like, um, an Irish god, I think. And even Cassandra becomes something... Her. So I knew most. So Persephone is someone that I know, of course, because of Greek mythology. And then you have Woden from Norse mythology as well. And the whole thing with the Valkyries as well is so fucked up. It's really dark the way that they use the gods and the teenagers. And what's the purpose of that, actually? I'm kind of wondering. This is a cycle, right? And it continues and continues. Yeah. So what if this is the last cycle? I'm just curious. Like, what if something's happening? What if this is the last Well, thing? I wonder if Anunki is gone rogue. Like, she's just tired of the cycle. She's tired of keeping track of all these teenagers and these gods act, acting like teenagers. And she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Maybe, maybe this is the year of her giving no fucks. Maybe that's her New Year's resolution. <laughs> Something about the emotional core of whatever they're trying to do here. It just feels distant. It feels like it's putting you off a little. It, it feels hollow. Mm-hmm, that's a good a way to put bit. it. A little bit. And I see why people love it, because I think it's really interesting, but I also think it's kind of like a... For me, it's more like an academic interest. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, they're remixing these myths and with these characters. and But the, there's an emotional core that's just not there, and I'm not sure if that's on purpose or if they're trying to, like, app how Lara feels. If they're trying to make the comic feel like she feels, like, empty and kind of disconnected if that's on purpose so i don't know when authors try to do that it often misses for me i don't really connect with the the narrative because i'm in the narrative for the characters so i think if you were just in there for the plot this might work a lot better for you i think this is why the first one worked better for me because you had that character development with laura there and i think that was missing the second one maybe because they were already moving towards killing her off or maybe because, I don't know, maybe sometimes it feels very gimmicky and that feeds into the hollowness of the series for me. That's, I felt it less interesting in the second one, apart from the ending. But then again, we did that last know. volume and yeah, and it's kind of like, okay, so we only got like really basic answers and a huge cliffhanger. So it was the same, it's the same gimmick. Like, I really want to know what happens in this comic. That's that's the thing, right? I'm not really connecting with these characters emotionally, but I really, really want to know what happens. What's going on? And yeah. what the what the deal is. Like, what's happening to this pantheon at this time and this cycle? Is this, Does this happen every cycle or is it breaking down? I don't... Like, what's going on? What is the, the thing? Why are they suddenly turning murderous? Why didn't Anunki tell the dude... Oh, hey, if you kill them, you'll take their powers, but only you. Like, mm. you'll take their years. And because it felt, like, because the story was, like, they'd have some story, and then they'd break it up with, like, a little 
like a page break with a date or something or like a quote and then you turn the page and there'd be some more comic for like two pages and then there'd be another like black page with like another date and quote and it was just felt really disjointed so i keep going yeah. with that word disjointed and if i had to review this book i would be like this book feels disjointed are we gonna be reading the third volume when it comes out I wouldn't mind seeing what happens. Maybe they'll maybe they'll give us a small answers before they blow somebody else's head off. If you read Wicked and the Divine Volume 2, did you like it? Did you get the same feeling from it that we did? Or did you find it valuable in another way? We'd love to hear what you think. Okay, moving on to our recommendations section. Anna, what do you have for us this week? I have two things. On the way to Brazil, it's a long flight, 11 hours. And now they have like HBO boxes on British Airways. So they had the entire series of Show Me a Hero, the HBO show with Oscar Isaac, our darling Paul Dameron. So I had heard wonderful things about this show and it's based on a true story. It's about politics and he was a small town mayor in the 90s and it's about property and development and council houses and it's really good it's six episodes one hour long each he's amazing in it and i really really liked this show it's really tough to watch because there are quite a few things that are upsetting but it's really good it's really interesting and a lot of politics and it was really good i highly recommend and oscar isaac you cannot go wrong there the other one is when I came back from Brazil, the first thing that I did was to watch the new BBC adaptation of And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. And it's three hours long, three episodes. It's still on the iPlayer if you are in the UK. I don't know how you can find that elsewhere. Maybe on Masterpiece, I think they show things from BBC in the US. Anyway, it's excellent. It's an excellent adaptation, very faithful to the original, with amazing actors, including Endon Turner, who at one point shows up wearing only a towel. I will leave it at that. How about you, Renee? Well, I've been walking more, and so I've been listening more regularly to podcasts. The podcast that I decided to try out is a podcast by Manoush Zomorodi called Note to Self. It is a tech podcast, but about feelings, which is kind of hard to explain. So they did a podcast about voicemail and how, like, how important it can be, even in a time when we find voicemails really annoying, and how emotional and relevant it can be to your relationships and your life which I thought was really fascinating. They also did a really neat one about Lego and creativity that discussed the difference between using the kits to build things and free building, which is the blocks, and how that affects kids and the way they imagine things and also adults and the way they imagine things. And it was very interesting. They also did a really fascinating episode um, about how to, like, like newsletters, how to get news. And one of the, one of the, podcast was like five links we would send you if we were friends on gmail or something like that and it was about like newsletters where you could like get links sent to you by people who were curating the internet basically and all these podcasts are just really neat and they show a side of technology that's not just about the tech but also about how we engage with it how we use it how we master it to work for us and our workflows and our projects and i just found it 
really nice and Manushi's a great host. I really like her style of delivery too. So I think if you're looking for another interesting podcast to listen to, this might be for you. It's note to self. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think you would totally like it. I'll give it a try. All right. So that's it for us this week. Anna, thanks for talking to me. No problems. And please say goodbye to BB-8. Goodbye, BB-8. Goodbye, Renee. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I'm also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at Fangirl Happy Hour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can also find us under our personal accounts at Booksmugglers and at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode. Okay, was... Anna, you have to sit, you have to sing us some Frozen in Portuguese now. Livristo, Livristo. That's it. That's it. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> no. Amazing! Amazing! <laughs>